so much hair for a newborn. We need to start planning his baptism and his holiday outfit and, ooh, his birthday party. Sure, but, um, how long are you planning to stay? If you're one of those who goes to meet your newborn nephew and stays until his first birthday party, switch to Cricket Wireless. Use your phone as many days as you want in Mexico without extra cost. Smile. You're on Cricket. Requires eligible plan. Minimum $55 per month. Data speed usage and other restrictions apply. Coverage not available everywhere. See store for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Power of Yes, a collection of 101 stories about adventure, change, and positive thinking. Good morning, Amy. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. How are you doing this morning? I am doing great. I'm so happy to be on. You are actually my first interview today, and this is the day that the book is coming out, so that's very exciting. I have to do a triple flip and come back. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited about that. It is a pleasure to have you on the air with me this morning, Chicken Soup for the Soul. The Power of Yes is a wonderful, empowering read. I am so excited to have the advanced copy, and I got also the market copy, which is beautifully done. As usual, the cover is embossed, so it's really, really terrific. I love the cover. It is beautiful, energizing feel to it. And the power of yes is actually just engages people. So I'm really excited. So congratulations on this release today. I know yes is such a little word, but it carries so much promise and mm-hmm. power and potential, right? Like mm-hmm. it's so life changing to just make a policy of saying yes instead of saying, oh, no, I've never done that or I'm afraid of that or I know I wouldn't like that. If you just make a policy that you're going to say yes, you, you'll be amazed by all the things you'll do. <laughs> in reading the book, it reminded me about the many moments in my life where I've never tried anything, right? Because as we are growing up, there are things that we just never have done before, so whereby you're trying something new. And especially coming from Malaysia to the United States, like, okay, do I want to do this? Do I want to get on a horse? Never seen a horse in my life kind of thing. Well, so you the were already saying fantastic. yes to moving. You, yes. you said yes. I mean, you did the scariest thing of all, which was leaving as a teenager and coming to the U.S. That's correct. And that was, of course, mm-hmm. before the internet and before Skype yeah. and before you could, like, see your parents, you know, on your computer mm-hmm. or easily email mm-hmm. them. That was when phone calls were really difficult and expensive. Right, right, right. So tell me, why did Chicken Soup come about with this idea? So what happened was, I I think it started around the time I turned 50, which was Mm -hmm. also the time that we bought Chicken Soup for the Soul, which was a big act of saying yes in itself, because that was a huge (laughs) career change for me from the worlds of finance and technology to, you know, the world of inspiration and hope and motivation. So I found that around the time I turned 50, I realized that my husband and I we're starting to do the same old things and we were not Mm -hmm. trying new things. I mean, even something as simple as 
only shopping at the same grocery store because you know where everything is. Mm-hmm. You know, and we started saying, like, let's go shop at a different grocery store. Let's force ourselves to be exposed to new foods that we might not otherwise have seen. Let's make our brains work by figuring out where things are. And we started doing new new things that were slightly scary. Like I remember we went to Bermuda and mm-hmm. we rented mopeds. And I was a terrible moped driver. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was slow. Cars were backed up behind me on the roads. I was the worst. But at least I was trying something new. And then I went zip lining in Costa Rica. And, you know, you just have to try these new things. And so I started to really get into this idea of trying new things, whether it was little things like trying a new food that you didn't think you would Mm -hmm. like or really big things like paragliding off a thousand foot cliff, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. And you feel so much more like you're a participant in the world when you choose to do new things. It really broadens your world. It makes you excited. And when you do it with somebody, you're doing it in partnership with somebody. So it's shared experiences, shared excitement, and really Mm -hmm. shared feeling proud of yourself. So this has been a really big theme for me in all of our Chicken Soup for the Soul books. And I finally decided a couple of years ago that we should do a whole book about this. So we we were collecting stories for a book called Chicken Soup for the Soul, Step Outside Your Comfort Zone. But we had about 6,000 stories submitted, and the stories were so excellent that we made two books. So we put out mm-hmm. Step Outside Your Comfort Zone a year ago, and then we had, because we had twice as many great stories mm-hmm. as we needed, we said, let's do a second book on the same topic, because obviously people are really fascinated by this. And so that's why Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Power of Yes, is coming out today with the same kind of theme as Step Outside Your Comfort Zone, but new stories and um, Mm -hmm. all new ways of doing new things. And so I find it very motivating to keep me on this path Mm -hmm. of participating in the world, making sure I try new technologies, new foods, new experiences, (laughs) meet new people, go to new places. This is what makes us happy is when we do these things. So true. When I read the book, it reminded me also of the many times I go through reinventing myself, if that makes sense. Because as we try different things in life, not so much in our personal life, but in our professional life, one would have never thought I would have written a book and in many ways contributed to chicken soup stories as well. So like I'm reinventing myself all the time. And that's that power of yes, like just do it. Don't worry about it. Things will work out. (laughs) Yeah, so that is a very big theme in our book. We have a lot of stories from people who reinvented themselves. For example, Mm -hmm. there's a story in in, um, Chapter 8, and -hmm. Chapter 8, the theme is Find the New You. And in that story, um, Doug Sletton, he was a teacher. He was a coach. He had a very nice life, wife, kids, owned his house good, secure job, but he had always been fascinated by the law, and he watched every lawyer show on television, and he loved watching movies where lawyers were doing all these strategic moves, and it just kept bugging him, and finally, he talked to his father, and he said, it would take me a year, you know, to, like, take the Mm -hmm. LSATs and apply to law school, and then three more years to actually attend law school. So I wouldn't be a lawyer for four years and I would give up all this security and I would already be in my 
30s by the time I graduated from law school. So, you know, it's like four years it's going to take to to reinvent myself. I don't know if I should do it. And his father, who was normally really conservative, said, how old would you be in four years if you didn't become a lawyer? And Doug said, well, you're right. I would just be Mm -hmm. still doing this job I don't really want to do. So (laughs) he did it. So he and his wife, they sold their house. They moved into like a much smaller dwelling. Mm -hmm. They had to physically move so he could go to law school. It was grueling those three years, being a dad and going to law school. And he did it, though. And then he practiced law for 25 years. He was very happy, and he was always so grateful to his whole family for having supported him in this huge transition that really upended everything. Um, But he... He followed, he pursued his passion and reinvented himself, and that's just one of the many stories we have. Like there's another story, also a guy um, in the same chapter, Find the New You, and this is a guy who I know really well. Like he's been to our office. His name is Randy Collins. So Randy was in the Marines, and um, then he got out of the Marines, and he had always fought his weight. It was like a family thing, and his sister ended up getting that bariatric surgery, you know, where they mm-hmm, mm-hmm. make everything smaller so that you can't eat as much. And it worked for her. So he decided to do that too. And he lost a hundred pounds. He was training for the Marine Corps marathon since he was a former Marine. And um, he also started playing lacrosse with his son. And so Then he started running, and he was running while carrying a lacrosse stick because he figured, well, I'll practice my lacrosse moves. (laughs) Like, I'll carry a ball with me while I run. So I'll be practicing my lacrosse and running and preparing for the marathon. So anyway, then he went through some different jobs. He ends up in Southern California, and he goes to USC and gets um, a master's degree in some kind of management program and then starts to go for his doctorate at USC. And then he realizes he never played sports at the undergraduate level, so he still has NCAA eligibility. Mm-hmm. He walked on to the lacrosse team at USC in his 40s, made the team. So this guy lost 100 pounds, reinvented himself as a lacrosse player, and is probably the oldest lacrosse player playing lacrosse, you know, at, in in the whole country right now, playing college right. lacrosse. And he's um, starting his um, fourth season now at USC. And I watch some of his videos and the crowd is cheering for him. And he's one of the guys, but he is as old as some of his teammates' fathers. Right. That's just awesome. I love that particular chapter. You have some wonderful chapters. Tell us some of the chapters that you all have. In this book, yeah. So the chapters really help with understanding the the major themes. So the first chapter is called "Try New Things," and like there's a story in there from um, Victorio Franzese. It's the first story in the book because I thought mm-hmm. that it was so important. And she decided when she was turning fifty. Fifty seems to be a big deal. Um, <laughs> she decided that she was going to do a new thing every single day. So for 365 days, 
she was going to do a new thing every single day. And sometimes she, she, it was like 11.45 p.m., and she still hadn't done her new thing, and she had to find something. So she, <laughs> one time she did a Sudoku puzzle. You know, but she mm-hmm. did some little things like that, and she did some really, really big things. Um, she signed up for Italian class, and she one time she actually got into the Guinness Book of World Records because she decided for her new thing she was going to join this group of people jumping on mini trampolines in um, New York City. And so, I actually I have a I have a video of that. We did a book trailer for this book. It's mm-hmm. on our website chickensoup.com, and then if you click on the Power of Yes book, you can see the book trailer. And you can watch them all jumping on their mini trampolines. But anyway, she did one new thing every day for 365 days. And she said that she really, like, reclaimed her life. And she said, you know, that she realized that she Mm. could continue to grow and she could learn every day for the rest of her life. And so I thought that was a really inspiring way to start the book. So that was Chapter 1. And then um, Chapter 2 is about embracing change because sometimes we resist change and, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. like just not embracing, not just not resisting change is a way that you're saying yes. And then we have a chapter called put yourself out there. And this is really about making relationships with people because part of the power of yes goes to meeting new people, being friendly, even if you're an introvert, getting into the habit of talking to people and, it enriches your life in so many ways. And then we have a chapter called Fake It Till You Make It because sometimes you have to do something where you really have no idea what you're doing and you just have to say, yes, I'm going to try it, and somehow it will work out. And we have a lot of stories about that. And then we have a chapter about facing your fears. It's called Do It Afraid. And it's about people you know, really facing their fears. Like there's a story by Joyce Lombardi in that chapter mm-hmm. She she had been a fearless person when she was young, and she had traveled the world, and she had done all of these things. And then she spent some time in rural Africa in the Peace Corps. So she was, like, always outdoors, and there were no tall buildings or, you know, any kind of urban things. When she came back to the United States, and she took the subway one day, and the subway train got stuck in a tunnel, and it was one of those really crowded trains. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. she freaked out because it was so different from her couple of years in rural Africa. And all of a sudden, she had a phobia about tunnels that she had never had before. And this phobia started to ruin her life, and she would like go on to um, you know, map software mm-hmm. and try to find routes where she wouldn't go through a tunnel, which works if the tunnels are underwater because then you can see blue on the map, but it doesn't work if it's a tunnel through a mountain because you can't Mm -hmm. see that on the map. And so by accident, she had to go through the, the Allegheny mountain tunnel one day and she was absolutely terrified. And then um, she figured out how to get through the tunnel. She had a swim towel in the car. She was a big swimmer and the towel smelled like chlorine and she smelled the towel and the chlorine made her think about the safety and security and peace of swimming. So she just kept breathing in that chlorine and trying to feel that peace of swimming feeling. And she made it through the tunnel. And then she said, you know what, now my phobia doesn't own me anymore. (laughs) So we had that chapter, which was really cool. And then 
I mean, I love all these chapters. Then we have a chapter called Believe in Yourself where people just have to believe that they can and so they do things that they thought they couldn't do. And then we have a chapter called Be Daring, which is also about facing your fears but not necessarily phobias, just you know things you're afraid of doing, like maybe speaking in front of an audience or something. And then we have that chapter that you and I just discussed called Find the New mm-hmm. You where people reinvent themselves. And then we have a chapter called Give of Yourself, because this is another power of yes thing, like volunteering somewhere. You know, giving of yourself is also sometimes stepping outside your comfort zone. And then we have a chapter called Go for Adventure, where we have a lot of people talking about travel and travel to exotic places. And then finally, and this is something that people might not normally think of, our last chapter is called let yourself trust because mm-hmm. part of the power of yes and stepping outside your comfort zone is letting yourself trust that a person will make it okay or that a technology will work or that you'll get on that roller coaster and it won't fall off, that kind of thing. So trust is part of the whole process of saying yes to new things and to, and to scary things. Wonderful, wonderful. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, and TuneIn Radio. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Power of Yes, a collection of 101 stories about adventure, change, and positive thinking. Amy, is this book for all ages and gender? I know you mentioned a couple yeah. of authors that are men, but I'm really excited that you started out with men. <laughs> There's a lot of men. A lot of men wrote stories for this book. And the funny thing is I um, I was recording a segment about this book on um, a television show, and there were a bunch of men standing around you know, waiting mm-hmm. to go on with me, and they were all admiring the cover. Yeah, it really appeals to men. And men are just as prone to getting stuck in a rut and not saying yes to new things as women are. And also this whole thing about forgetting to use the power of yes can happen at any age. I mean, you can have 20-year-olds who are saying, oh, I've never done that before. I've never tried that food before. I know I won't like it. So this book really does uh, it's really relatable for everybody of mm-hmm. all ages and for men and women. Wonderful. This book is a little bit different than other self-help books, correct? Yeah, because like all the Chicken Soup for the Soul books, even though we are conveying self-help topics to you, I mean, this is very much a self-help book in that it will give you a lot of ideas and it will motivate you and inspire you and you might be taking notes or folding over pages or yellow highlighting parts of it. It also is so relatable because you're reading stories from real people. And what science has proven is that you're changed more when you read a story from a real person than you're changed when you read an essay or a to-do list or, you know, an article with bullet Mm -hmm. items. Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. When you read something and you emotionally connect to it, you retain it and you feel it more. You ingest that advice better than if you were just reading, you know, an essay. And then the other thing I like about it is that instead of reading a book about one person's experience, 
you're reading about 101 different experiences. So that you might not feel totally the same as one person, but you'll feel very related to a different person. And so I always think that out of the 101 stories, there might be 10 or 20 that just are right on target for a particular reader. And those are the stories that that reader will go back to over and over again. And those are the stories that will cause that reader to make a positive change in his or her life. So true. I think the various chapters helps because it sort of narrows down to what each individuals are going through. So you're not reading a book about just trying new things. But this is a book about 11 different things in life that each and every one of us may encounter differently. And believe it or not, each and every one of us may encounter differently at different times in our lives as well. And as you know, our decisions are always governed by two separate but equal forces, love and fear. So this book allows us to go through the process seeing somebody else conquering their fear, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. And I do agree that this reaches you at all different stages of your life. When You could read this at age 20 and mm-hmm. take away some great advice, and then you could read it again at age 40 and take away different advice. Wonderful. What I like about Chapter 1, there's one particular story I thought was really cool. So share that with us. The title again is uh, Try New Things, and this particular story is really wonderful, Stretching Out in Retirement by Priscilla Courtney. So this is a cool story, and actually um, in our book trailer on our website, chickensoup.com, we actually have a picture of Priscilla's husband doing what she talks about in the story. So Priscilla's actually my oldest friend from my childhood. Like I have pictures of us um, when we were you know, probably three years old wearing little party dresses, <laughs> and I had lost her for many decades, and then thanks to the Internet found her again. And it was so funny that I found her, and it turned out that she was a great writer. She's a psychologist, but she's also Mm -hmm. a wonderful writer. So she's written a lot of stories for us. So this one is about the fact that she and her husband turned 60, and her husband decided he was going to retire from his job. And so then he did all the tasks around the house that he could think of, and he ran out of things to do around the house. And he could only play tennis so much with his buddies And so he starts looking for something new to do. And she had given him a gift card for a yoga class because she loves yoga, but he had never Mm -hmm. tried it. And he had been carrying this gift card around in his wallet for a long time without using it. And then one day he said, I think I'm going to use the gift card. So he went off to this rookie, you know, yoga class Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he loved it. And he started going over and over again and he ended up becoming an instructor which is so incredible because he had been sure he was going to hate yoga, but then he tried it and he loved it. And she thinks that it's really helped him with the transition into retirement, having this yoga to do. So I thought that was a great story. And it's just such a great example of trying something that you're absolutely positive you're going to hate (laughs) and then discovering that you really like it. I love the story because it just reminds me as I see a lot of people in the retirement mode, enjoying things that they never ever even thought about doing. And yoga is one of the particular exercise activity that you really don't see a lot of men involved, especially older men. So this story is extremely inspiring. 
Yeah, I agree. And men, of course, think that yoga is for women or that they're not flexible <laughs> enough. But everybody, no matter how inflexible they are, can still try it and get something out of it because it's really just stretching. And it's yeah. very peaceful and it's a great time to think while you're doing the stretches. Yeah, so that was that was uh, what he did. And he's a big <laughs> yoga aficionado now. <laughs> Maybe you two needs to do it, you and Bill. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, I love stretching, actually. I really do. But when I go to a place that has yoga or stretch, I usually take stretch classes because I'm so inflexible uh-huh. that uh-huh. I can't really do the yoga positions, but I do love the stretching part of it. It's great. Wonderful. Chapter two, Embrace Change. This is a wonderful story, and we talk about just now a little bit about the future and generations and so forth, and this particular story is just wonderful, Into the Future by Laurie Phillips. So Laurie, um, her mom, who had been very adventurous when she was younger, her mom all of a sudden when she got into her 70s just changed. She stopped experimenting with new recipes and she stopped doing new things, and she wouldn't even learn how to use the you know, fancy television remote control. Mm-hmm. And so Lori thought, wow, she's really missing out. Like she's not fully participating in the world. And so finally, Lori figured out how to get her mom to stop this bad habit of you know, <laughs> distancing herself from change. And she said to her mom that she was acting just like her sister because her mom's <laughs> sister had never been very good about trying new things and was really famous for being so stuck in a rut. Well, once she mm-hmm. told her mom that she was acting like her sister, her mom said, oh, I don't want to do that. And so she started trying new <laughs> things. So the first thing she did was she asked her grandson how to use a computer. And so Lori's mom learned how to use a computer, and she was living in California, but her family was, she had been raised in Hawaii and all her high school friends are back in Hawaii. Well, once she started using the computer, she discovered that all her high school friends were on Facebook and on email. And so all of a sudden she was back in touch with them and they were trading photos and talking to each other. And they even planned to go to Las Vegas together. And she, Mm -hmm. so that was really cool because her friends had been doing that every year. And now Lori's mom could participate in that. And so she started learning how to use all these different technologies, and she had a really fabulous time. And then Lori realized, wait, I just made my mom get back into things and try new things, but my husband and I, we aren't trying new things. And so all of a sudden, inspired by how she had transformed her mom, Lori and her husband also transformed themselves and started learning new things. Her husband learned how to install recessed lighting in their Mm -hmm. kitchen himself by watching YouTube videos. (laughs) And Lori figured out how to like prune the trees in her garden and take care of them instead of, you know, hiring Mm -hmm. somebody to do it. So it turned out that all of them got excited about doing new things and they all felt younger again. So I thought that was great that she made her mom do it and then it circled right back like a boomerang and Mm -hmm. got Lori and her Mm -hmm. husband also to use the power of yes. (laughs) That story reminded me of my Italian foster mom. Years ago, she told me she blocked one of her nephews who happens to live in California and my Italian foster mom lives in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. They were into this 
political debate, so to speak. And obviously, the nephew had said something bad or was teasing my Chan foster mom, and she blocked him on Facebook. <laughs> like, what? What did you do? She learned that at, uh, I think it was like around when she was 75. That's great. That's great. Even if she used it to block somebody, I think it's still great that she knew how to do it. Yeah. So it's like, it's crazy. I said, are you kidding me? I don't even know how to block someone. (laughs) (laughs) The next story in this chapter, this is a wonderful story. My True Hollywood Story by John Davis Walker. Yeah, so I just interviewed him for my podcast, so we're going to have a chicken soup for this old podcast. Um, I think it's going to be on this Friday or next Friday, one of these Mm -hmm. these Fridays it's going to be on. And and he talks about the fact that he was in the Merchant Marines and, you know, got promoted and promoted and ended up being the captain of a ship. But then he finally left the Merchant Marines and – he moved out to Hollywood eventually, and he started acting as a producer, a, a TV mm-hmm. producer. And then, by accident, he was walking by um, a barber shop one day where he knew some people, and somebody said to him, "Hey, can you be an extra? We're shooting this little film. It's like a you know real low budget independent film, and we need somebody to be a homeless man sitting on the sidewalk." So he sits down on the sidewalk and, you know, plays the homeless man. And then he says, well, that was kind of fun. And then he starts looking on Craigslist and he discovers all these opportunities to be an extra or to get really small roles in different television shows and movies. And he parlays this into an acting career. And before he knows it, he's an actor and he's working 200 days a year as an actor, which is incredible. And when I talked to him on the podcast, I said, well, how do you get your gigs? And he said, mostly Mm -hmm. through Craigslist. But when you see his picture, his Mm -hmm. name is John Davis Walker. If you you go on like Google Images and look at John Davis Walker, you'll say, wait a minute, I know I've seen that guy. Because Mm -hmm. he's been in hundreds of productions. He's been in TV shows, he's been in films, he's been in music videos. Of course, being in L.A., living in Hollywood, (laughs) it's really easy for him, you know, to appear at all of these things. Mm -hmm. But to be Mm -hmm. working 200 days a year, that's really good for an actor. You know, they often Mm -hmm. have a lot of downtime while they're waiting for their next gig. So he said yes to this little homeless man part, and and then was very open-minded and started signing up for all these things he found on Craigslist. And now he's been in hundreds of productions. And he was originally afraid of being on camera when he was a producer. He had always said, I will never go in front of the camera. And he <laughs> faced that fear, which is something we recommend in this book, mm-hmm. and discovered that he loves being in front of the camera. It's just a wonderful, impressive story that John Davis has to share. And I chose that story because sometimes we just don't realize that small opening develop into something huge, a career change. And if you let yourself go into life's rhythm, you will experience that new you, so to speak. Yeah, I thought it was great. And that's another story from a guy. So what do you know? We have all these guys embracing change and reinventing themselves. Yes. Excuse me for me. I got to go do a couple of flips and then come back. (laughs) (laughs) What's your favorite story in chapter three? 
Oh, um, well, I really like this story by Aviva Jacobs. So mm-hmm. chapter three is all about making connections with people. And so it's called Put Yourself Out There because sometimes that's scary, you know, to, mm-hmm. to actually take the risk and make yourself vulnerable by putting yourself out there to meet new people and succeed or possibly not succeed at making new friends. So Aviva was raising her daughter by herself. She was divorced and she didn't have any friends anymore because she had lost all her friends during the years of her marriage kind of falling apart. And Mm -hmm. so she had a boyfriend, but she didn't see him very often because he was raising his kids and she was really, really lonely. And she told her boyfriend one day how lonely she was and how she needed friends and she didn't know how to find friends. And so he said, well, why don't you join a book club? So she went online and she starts looking at book clubs. Then she found this other thing where you could do like these meetups where you could um, look at different activities and then go to these these meetups where you would meet up with strangers and do these activities together and make new friends that way. So she was mm-hmm. looking at that and thinking, oh, I'll sign up for that. And then at the very same time, there was a knock on the door. It was a process server who was bringing her a subpoena to go back to court because her ex-husband wanted to renegotiate his visitation schedule with their daughter. So Aviva went right back online and said, I'm going to look for a divorce support group because that's what I really need. (laughs) So she found a divorce support group. And, of course, her boyfriend was like, I don't think you should join a divorce support group. It's probably just a lot of people sitting around complaining. But it turned out she went to the divorce support group, and it was just fun. They weren't sitting around complaining. They were doing fun things together. So she went and they, um, I think she went bowling at one of the early meetings. Another early meeting, she went to like a trivia contest. And she really liked the people in the group. And they became her friends and her social set. And she started doing all these different things. She made this commitment to herself that she would spend a year saying yes to new activities with this new friends. Mm-hmm. Well, the interesting thing was besides the fact that that was really fun for her and she made friends, it also made her a lot more interesting to her boyfriend. And all of a sudden, he was way more attentive. And she found she wasn't waiting around for him anymore. All of a sudden, he was trying to spend more time with her. And he ended up proposing to her. And she says at their wedding, there were six people who stood up you know, with them. Mm-hmm. And three mm-hmm. of those people could be traced right back to those first couple of activities she did with that divorce support group. So that was really motivating for people who are saying, oh, I need new friends, which is something that a <laughs> lot of us say. And it's like dating. It takes work, but yeah. she did it. She went out there, and she found those new friends. That's so true, though. Very, very true. One of the stories in that chapter that I like very much that reminds me of the first time when I – came to United States is story number 28, Frisbee in the Kalahari by Dave Fox. I have to say it. I have to choose a guy as an example. Yep, another guy. Yeah, he went to the uh, and, Kalahari, and he was yes. doing, like, he was playing Frisbee with the Kalahari Bushmen, which was mm-hmm. really, I'm sure, a surreal experience for him. What I like about that story is that he ended up having to eat roasted beetles and to try something new that I guess I would say the local cuisine. So when I first came to the United States, I'm in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. 
I'm around people that eat fried alligator meat, rabbit stew. And I'm like, okay, do I back out and show everyone that I'm a chicken? I'm not a chicken. I'm going to try all that stuff. And, <laughs> and I did, and I like it. <laughs> yeah, that's brave, too. I remember when I was in Brazil, I lived in Brazil for a mm-hmm. while, and I went to this just like a bar deep in the interior, so not mm-hmm. fancy mm-hmm. on the coast. But And mm-hmm. and um, instead of having, like, potato chips out in a bowl, you know, on the yeah. On the bar counter, they had these little tiny um, fried birds, like oh. tiny little birds yeah. that they kind of deep fried, and yeah, yeah. they were chomping them down, and like they were all crunchy, and they were like <laughs> the claws and the beaks, and and they wanted me to try them, and I was twenty, and I was you know saying okay, I have to try them, but it was so difficult. I ended up just like picking the little tiny pieces of meat off the little bird, but I just couldn't eat the claws and the head and yeah. the beak. Yeah. Ugh. But I know what you mean. It's it's a delicacy in one culture, and it's a real strain for us to try it when we yeah. come from a different culture. Yeah, it sounds exotic. Rabbit stew, alligator sauce piquant. Like, oh, I guess I got to try it. <laughs> anyway, chapter four, fake it till you make it. One of the wonderful stories is Sliding into Fun by Marianne Fosnell. So Marianne went to the amusement park with her grandchildren, and they wanted her to go on all the rides, and she was doing that, and so she was very proud of herself. But then they went to the water park area. And she was fine with going in the baby pool and, you know, splashing around with the children. (laughs) But then they wanted to go on the water slide, and she thought, I won't even fit on that water slide. (laughs) But she forced herself to do it, and she was so worried she was going to get stuck, you know, and be embarrassed because I guess it was only like 24 inches wide, this this, um, tube that she had to sit in. But she finally did it, and she sent us a photo of her whipping down this chute in this slide with her two grandchildren, and she's kind of screaming and smiling at the same time, and her hair is blowing back. And it's just a great picture and such a good example of how much fun it was for her to use the power of yes to do this thing that she never thought she could pull off. So true. A wonderful grandma story. It's like, you want to be with the grandkids, you got to do what they do. So that's fantastic. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, and TuneIn Radio. My guest is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Power of Yes, a collection of 101 stories about adventure, change, and positive thinking. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Amy, chapter six, this is really, really cool because it's about believing in oneself. The title of the chapter is Believe in Yourself. And this is cool, The Bon Jovi Challenge by Miriam Van Scott. Yeah, this was really cool because she was 40 years old and her husband gave her tickets to, um, to, to Bon Jovi and she had loved the band And so she went to the concert ready to hear all the old favorites. 
And she realized that they were playing all this new music that she hadn't heard before. And the music was complex and deep and rich, and it was really good. And then she was looking at John Bon Jovi and his fellow performers, and she thought, well, they're all about the same age that I am. And then she thought, wait, they're trying new things. Listen to this new music. And they're doing all these new cool things, and why am I not doing new cool things? Life didn't end just because I turned 40. So she bought the CD. It was um, Have a Nice Day was the name of the CD. And she played it every single day, at least once, for the next few weeks. And there was this one song that really made an impact on her. It was called Welcome to Wherever You Are. And this song warned against giving in to doubt, and it encouraged a belief in the power of your own potential. And so she was inspired by Bon Jovi and by this particular song to step outside her comfort zone and try something new. So she had always been a journalist and a writer of nonfiction. And for her, she was inspired by John Bon Jovi to try writing fiction instead. And it worked out great. She sold her first story in the next four months. She... um, she wrote a children's book. She did all this successful work in creative writing and became a fiction writer. And it was all because of that John Bon Jovi concert <laughs> where she realized that she wasn't finished. She was only just starting, just like the band, which was you know, coming out with all of this new creative music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. So for all you ladies out there who sort of think back in time with all those wonderful bands. Go buy the tickets, go see the uh, reunion tour and so forth. might give you something special in terms of inspiration. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really nice to see that when you see these bands and they are performing the new music. And I mean, mm-hmm. gosh, I see bands now and these guys are in their 70s. I, went, I remember right. going to see the Moody Blues a few years ago. Uh-huh. And <laughs> I was sitting in, I guess we were like, front row mezzanines, Mm -hmm. which were good seats, because then, you know, you could sit the whole time. Nobody was standing in front of us. But I'm watching the crowd file in, you know, for the concert to start. And I said to my husband, I think we're at an IRA, like a retirement seminar, because everybody was so old, and the band comes out, and I realized that the youngest member of the band is 70, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. And they're Mm -hmm. up there, you know, still rocking and showing that you're never too old to try new things. It was very inspirational. <laughs> Wonderful. That brings me to Chapter 7, Be Daring, The Sound of Life by Angela Labadi. Oh, yeah. So speaking of music, so Angela, mm-hmm. she, um, she was in, uh, she, she could do band. And so there was the mm-hmm. Sound of Music production going on in her community. And... Um, her two daughters who were 11 and five were going to try out for parts because there's, you know, a lot of parts for little girls in the sound of music. Cause there, there's all those little girls in the family. And then her husband said to her, well, you could try out for the band because she played the flute. So she mm-hmm. went to the tryouts and they asked her to try out for a part, an acting part instead of just being in the band And she was shocked because she never, ever acted, and she was terrified of it. But she ended up getting a part, and her two girls got a part. So she and her two girls ended up 
performing in The Sound of Music in the community theater, and she loved it. And then she continued after that to try out for other parts and, you know, had this fun hobby of being in community theater and singing on stage. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. she says now she has filled her life with The Sound of Music. (laughs) So it was a whole new thing for her. What I like about the story very much is about family event, certain things that you try that's just not for yourself, but it's for the family. And sometimes you need that team spirit to kind of put you over the top in a way. Yeah, that's true. She did it to be with her children. Absolutely. Chapter nine, gift of yourself. And I really like this because it reminds me a lot about my situation as well. Part of the family by Cindy Jolly. So this is really interesting because um, Cindy volunteered to help out an immigrant family, and the family was from Sierra Leone. And so, of course, these immigrants came with a completely different culture, different clothing, different ways of doing things, different foods. And she went to meet this family who she was going to help out. And the first thing that happens (laughs) is that there's this black bag in their living room, and she asks, well, what's in the black bag? And they say, it's a goat. She thought, a goat? Why is there a goat in a bag in the living room? Well, it turned out that um, eating goat is very popular in Africa, and mm-hmm. um, this family had gotten a goat, and they were now going to share it with a bunch of other immigrant families they were friends with. And that evening, as she was sitting with this family, all of their um, all of their other expat friends came over to get their pieces of this goat, <laughs> which is no different from us eating, you know, lamb or mutton mm-hmm. or. So, anyway, she um, really became part of this family with this family from Sierra Leone, and over the years, she says instead of just helping a refugee family, we became part of it, and. The children and grandchildren in that family called her Auntie Cindy, and they started going to their graduations and their church services, and they had the family come to them for Thanksgiving, and they had backyard barbecues where they would serve their American food, but then the um, people from Sierra Leone would be doing, like, drums and showing them African dancing. And so they really became great friends, but it started out with her having quite a bit of trepidation about what am I going to do with this African family from some country that I don't even know where it is. And they ended up being wonderful friends. So it's really another example of trying something new, being vulnerable and open to making a new human connection. And now they have these wonderful friends. It's a beautiful story. And it reminded me a lot when I first came to the United States, because I got here four months after my 18th birthday. And I'm so thankful the fact that I do have a wonderful host family that acclimate me to the surroundings. When I arrived, it was January the 3rd. So it was middle of winter, basically, coming from Malaysia, which is right by the equator. (laughs) Not only that's a climatic change from that perspective, but the fact that I'm like 18 years old, is like, okay, I'm halfway around the world. Once the excitement wore off, I realized that Uh (laughs) Oh, this is not something that I could take the bus and get home in a few hours. So I'm so thankful the fact that the wonderful host family sort of really brought me in. 
enjoyed celebrating the holidays and so forth with them and get to feel the family energy that I so much miss during that time. Family is family. Families work the same all over the world. They're just mm-hmm. eating different foods, celebrating different <laughs> holidays, but it's still all about getting together, right? Right. It's all about sitting around that table. It doesn't really matter what's on the table. It's true. What's interesting, you're talking about goat and mutton and lamb and so forth. So my first family dinner, official family dinner in a way, was that Easter. We have Lake of Lamb and my host family were very traditional. My Southern Belle mom, we're talking about Lake of Lamb with mint jelly and so forth. So it was totally new for me. But I love it because I love meat. (laughs) Well, that's good. (laughs) (laughs) What's your favorite story in Chapter 10? Well, there's a really nice story called Travel Buddies. Mm -hmm. And this is really cool because um, the writer of this story, Polly, she was on vacation with her husband and they met another couple. And Polly said to the wife and the other couple, I've always wanted to go to Egypt. And the other husband said, oh, I don't want to go there. No third world countries for me. (laughs) But Polly and the other woman, Elaine, started talking. And they said, you know what, let's go to Egypt together, even though they just met on this cruise. They didn't live near each other. (laughs) And so it was like, it was crazy, right? And As the time came for them to go on their trip to Egypt, Polly wasn't even sure if Elaine really wanted to do it. But one day, Elaine sent her an email and said, I bought my tickets. So Polly said, all right, I guess we're doing this. So they hadn't seen each other basically in a year, and they met up in their hotel room. (laughs) And um, there they were, and they went on this trip together. It turned out they were great roommates, great travel buddies. And so they started planning all of these exotic trips. So Every year, they plan another exotic trip together. So they've been to Beijing, they've been to Mumbai, they've been to Sydney, and they're going to keep doing it. Um, She says that she hopes that she and Elaine never run out of places to explore, and their husbands are perfectly fine with the wives going off and doing all these adventurous trips, and the husbands can stay home and do do whatever they want to (laughs) do while the wives are off expanding their worlds. It's a beautiful story. It reminded me of when my mom was alive, my Malaysian mom. I mean, she loves to travel, and she made travel buddies. My mom basically has seen most of the world compared to what I've seen, so it's just a fabulous story. So I'm really glad you like that story. I do. Chapter 11, let yourself trust. And this is really cool, though, because I think a lot of times we have doubts about our ability, don't you think? And this particular story, the one that I really like is The Distance Between Fear and Five Foot Six by Kathy Bernier. Yeah, so Kathy had really let her her life be controlled by this fear she had of water. I mean, she was so afraid of water that she wouldn't go to a party that was by a pool because she didn't even mm-hmm. like to walk around the edge of a pool And so this was really impairing her ability to enjoy life. And finally, she decided that she had to overcome this fear. And so she signed up for a swim class at her local YWCA. And she really used 
I would say the principles of cognitive behavioral therapy, where you gradually expose yourself to what you're afraid of. And through this exposure therapy, you can do a little more, a little more, a little more until you are able to overcome that fear. So she managed to get into the pool with her swim instructor, and they spent the whole first lesson just having Kathy inch her way down along the side of the pool, you know, gripping the side of it, Mm -hmm. but going deeper and deeper and deeper. So the whole lesson she spent just moving one inch at a time along the edge of that pool until she got all the way to, I don't even think it was the full deep end, but it was where it was, you know, five and a half feet deep. Well, now Kathy swims constantly. She's a fish now. And she actually sent us a picture of her um, in that pool, smiling at us with the five and a half foot marker right in front of her, you know, in the (laughs) pool deck. But she overcame that fear, and it opened up a whole new life to her. I love that story because I do not know how to swim. I know how to – well, actually, I know how to swim, but I don't know how to float. How's that? Because when I was growing up, my mom refused to allow my sister and me to be near water because of the fear of how kids go crazy and play, and inevitably there's always an accident where a kid's drown. And so I was never allowed to be around water. To this day, I've not really hang out around water, so to speak. And this is a wonderful story that sort of inspired me. I need to go check this out. I need to learn how to swim and float. Yeah, you should. That's, that would be great <laughs> if you could go and do that and be inspired by this book to do that. That would make a great yeah. chicken soup for the soul story. But you should do oh. that and then report, report back to all of us about that. <laughs> I'm thinking about it because it's a wonderful story. It's like, oh, cool, cool, really cool. So, you know, one (laughs) of the ways that you can force yourself to do new things is by telling Uh people that you're going to do them. How about (laughs) if you tell everybody right now that you're going to go and take a swim lesson? Then you'll have to do it. Oh, my (laughs) God. That's true. I don't hear anything. I want to do that. (laughs) I am going to learn (laughs) how to swim. I'm going to learn how to swim. Okay, you did it. You said it. Now we're going to be waiting for your report. The okay. next time I come on, we're going to hear about that. Too soon. <laughs> <laughs> but I will. I'm going to learn how to swim and float. That's the most important thing because I have the strength to just paddle and go. But then the moment I stop paddling, I sink. <laughs> anyway, the last story in this chapter that I like is I Could Never Do That by B.J. Jensen. This is a wonderful story as well. So B.J., she loved music. And um, she also knew how to do sign language. Mm -hmm. So she had taught herself when she was five years old how to sign, even though she wasn't personally somebody who had a hearing problem. And so she came across this opportunity to be in a signing choir for church so that people who are hearing impaired could still enjoy all of the hymns. Well, she ended up getting involved in this at her church, and then it grew and grew and grew. And now she's in this signing choir that performs all over the world. Like you can see them on YouTube. Their choir is called the Love in Motion Signing Choir. 
and so they have been they've been in Washington D.C. performing. They've been all over the place, and this has caused a bunch of other signing choirs to be established. And it's really a wonderful thing because they're bringing the beauty of the hymns to all of these people who are hearing impaired who used to just sit there before and not know the words. So I thought it was a really nice story and a very giving thing for her to do. I love the story, and I know you like the story very much too, simply because I think what started out from something that's uncomfortable, and yet over a period of time, it turned out to be a passion, and it just sort of grew from there. Again, it's one of those amazing things. Once you, what I call, you break the sound barrier, anything happens. Yeah, it's really enriched her life, and she has enriched the lives of so many other people, because of course, when you're doing something altruistic like that, Mm -hmm. and giving of yourself to other people, we all know the biggest beneficiary of good deeds is the person who's actually doing the good deed, you know, not the recipient of the good deed. So it's been a wonderful thing for her and all the members of her choir. Yeah. What's coming up next for Chicken Soup? So our next book is coming out September 25th, and it's a book I made with uh, Mike Dow. Dr. Dow is a psychotherapist. He's pretty well known because he's always on The Doctors, Dr. Oz, Rachel, lots of television shows. He's really good at making psychology accessible to people. Mm -hmm. He's really good at explaining it to people and helping them really foster good brain health through their actions, through what they eat, through exercise, through how they conduct their lives. And he has wonderful tips And he also is a practitioner of cognitive behavioral therapy. And one day I was talking to him about CBT, and and I was saying to him, you know, our writers basically use CBT intuitively. For example, Kathy Bernier, the one who made Mm -hmm. herself learn to swim, well, she used that exposure therapy I talked about, which is one of the key components of cognitive behavioral therapy. And, of course, you'll be using that when you learn how to swim. Yes. our book, our book is about. <laughs> our book is called "Think, Act, and Be Happy," and it's about how you can change your thought process and act the way you want to be, and that will cause you to be happy. And you can face your fears, overcome phobias, make yourself do new things, find forgiveness, just solve all these different problems in your life mm-hmm. by yourself without even going to a therapist, just by doing the exercises in the book. And so we have. Chicken Soup for the Soul stories that illustrate somebody doing cognitive behavioral therapy themselves. And then we explain how they used CBT, and then we even have a guided journaling section at the end of each chapter so that you can do a little homework and figure out how you're going to use CBT to solve your own problems. So it's a really fun book. We had a great time making it together. So that's Chicken Soup for the Soul, Think, Act, and Be Happy, and that's September 25th. And so that's the next book that we'll be talking about with you. Wonderful. What are your recipes for living life for this month? So the cool thing is that the Power of Yes book mm-hmm. really contains chicken soup for the soul's recipes for living life fully. So I would say the first ingredient is that you need to make a policy to say yes to new things. And then the second is you need to 
learn to embrace change in your life. So this might be change that happens to you that you didn't choose. And then the third thing is to to learn to reach out and make connections with new people the way people did in the stories we discussed today. Fourth thing is, and this is a great ingredient for having a full life, and that is to do something that frightens you because you'll really be proud of yourself. (laughs) And then find, reinvent yourself if that's what it takes to make you happy. So those are the ingredients that we would use for our recipe for life. That's wonderful. Truly, truly wonderful. Amy, thank you for the great recipes for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me in two weeks, Tuesday morning, August 28. My guest will be Denise Alexandra Pyle. She is a successful family law attorney of 41 years and the author of The Power of Ten, a guide to living the Ten Commandments and the Golden Rule in Modern Times. Denise and I will be having a conversation about how the blending of the Old Testament's tabernacle with the Kabbalistic tree of life helped expand the meaning of each of the Ten Commandments so that everyone from Generation Z to the Millennials and Baby Boomers can find the relevance to their lives. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. As always, Amy, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again, and have a blessed day, and I will learn how to swim. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Johnny. I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. We need to start planning his baptism and his holiday outfit and, ooh, his birthday party. Sure, but um, how long are you planning to stay? If you're one of those who goes to meet your newborn nephew and stays until his first birthday party, switch to Cricket Wireless. Use your phone as many days as you want in Mexico without extra cost. Smile, you're on Cricket. Requires eligible plan. Minimum $55 per month. Data speed usage and other restrictions apply. Coverage not available everywhere. See store for details. Amazon has everything for back to school. Zebra lunchbox? Check. Cool Adidas gear like t-shirts, shoes, and backpacks? Check. Triceratops folders and pencils? Check. Lasercat t-shirts? Check. Get your back to school shopping done now at Amazon.com slash back to school and enjoy free shipping on millions of items. No need to leave your home or hassle with crowds. Amazon.com. No better place to get everything back to school from A to Z.